Today's sermon is entitled, The Drift, The Drift. Today's sermon is entitled, The Drift, and we'll be looking at it from passages in Acts 27 and Galatians 5. We'll be looking at a couple of books, Galatians 5 and Acts 27. I want to talk today about the drift. So today, uh, the drift is, um, I preached a sermon once called the, the draft, uh, but this one is called the drift. And we've all heard the phrase, watch this now, we've all heard the phrase, I'm anchored in the Lord. But are we though? <laughs> Many people have a poor perception of what that really means. Uh, what people think they're anchored to really isn't the Lord. Mm, stay with me now. This is critical. Listen to this. I need you to be silent and I need you to listen to this. This is powerful. We must learn to see being anchored not as a weight that is holding us down or back, but we must see being anchored rather as a connection to something that keeps us in the right place or a position. That is critical. So instead of seeing the anchor as a weight that holds you down, I want you to see an anchor as being connected to something that keeps you in the right place. Mm, you're gonna, I got to say it again because you're going to miss it. It's a mindset, a mindset that sees yourself as weighed down, as stuck, as weighted to a place is different from seeing yourself as connected to something that has you in the right place or position. An anchor is all about maintaining position. Ah, God, that's what I want you to see. That the anchor is not about holding you down. The anchor is about keeping your position. So why does that matter? It matters because, watch this now, Tony, this is good. If your boat is is not anchored properly, then you experience what is called the drift. Ah, uh, yeah. So if you don't understand the dynamics of being weighed down or connected for position, your boat will not be anchored and you will experience what's called the drift. But if your boat, let's say, or if your boat is anchored to the wrong thing, your destiny can drift from you. So even if you aren't drifting from it, it's still the drift because there is a separation that is established between you and the place that you're supposed to be. Oh man, this is... 
Come on, I'm trying to get you to see that the anchor is about positioning you to be in the right place in the waters so you can receive God's blessing. Remember Peter when he was fishing and he said, I fished all night, God, I didn't catch anything. And God said, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. He says, your net is in the wrong position. And so it's when you're in the right position that you're able to get what God is able to do through your life. So Peter said, at your word, I will drop my net just on the other side of the boat. You hear me? And the Bible says he brought up so many fish that the nets almost broke. I'm telling you that your life is not changing because you are anchored improperly. That you are related to or uh, um, a recipient of what I call the drift. Now, what is the drift? The drift is when something is carried slowly by a current or uh, of air or water, that air blows something slowly away or the water causes you to drift. If you're not anchored and you're just sitting in the water, you can actually drift way. Don't you know the, the the love letter in the bottle when people put the letter in the bottle and they throw it in the water and the, the, the bottle ends up on another island somewhere? The, the bottle has drifted. And if you're not careful, you'll be living life and you will have drifted to another island. But that may not be the island God wants you on, boo. You're on the wrong island because you failed to anchor properly. And so the drift means you become driven by something or someone else. It means you are living life being carried along. Oh, this is good. It means that you are now moving in a random, casual way. You are no longer intentional. Watch this now. The drift takes away movement with intention. I'll say that again. The drift takes away movement with intention. I don't know about you, but in 2022, I want to move with intention. Somebody say intention. It robs you of guided living. When you're drifting, you're not guided. You're just being blown or driven. Drifting reduces you to random and casual living. Haven't you heard about casual sex? Casual sex is when there's no intention with it. And and the best sex is supposed to be when you're married because it has purpose. It has brought you together for intention. So casual dating, casual relationships mean they're just random. There's no real intention to it. And so that's why you keep asking him, where are we? What are we doing? And he don't know because both of y'all just drifting. Somebody say the drift. To be people of action is to be people who live with intention. Therefore, we must be able to change how we do things in order to maintain intention and purpose. So sometimes being stuck 
in doing things one way, you actually get farther away from God. Because even though you are anchored to an old way or tradition, the spirit keeps moving away from you. Ah, God, you are stuck in traditions and habits and you have failed to see that the spirit has moved on. Now, the drift can be a horrible thing, even if you think that you are anchored. And some, bless God, these religious folk think that they cannot be moved, but God has moved from them. That's what I'm talking about. You're missing it. You think you're a stalwart, the rock of Gibraltar, and you cannot be moved. And God said, I didn't ask you to stay there. God said, I'm moving, and you have failed to move with me, which means you are in the drift. So if we're going to be people of action, then we have to make sure we're moving in the right direction, not drifting aimlessly in the sea of life, nor can we be people anchored to a dock where the ship of God has already sailed. We're standing on the dock and we hear someone say, that ship has sailed. Have you ever gone, run to the bus stop for school and you get there and somebody say, did the 827 come already? The bus has come and it has gone, which means you are farther from your destination than you'd like to be. So today, let's be shipmates for a moment, shall we, Shana, and explore the stormy, drifty seas of God only to learn of the true location of each of our anchors so we can earnestly say we are indeed anchored in the Lord. (laughs) Somebody say, preach Pastor Cherry. I want you to see where is your anchor. Look at Shauna looking looking at her feet. Did you your anchor down there? Shauna, see why you looking where your anchor at? Where where your anchor at? All right, first let's look at Acts 27 verses 9 through 17 and let's read this text here. The text says, I want to give you this backdrop of from this sea, this stormy sea, and from the perspective of anchoring. The text says, when considerable time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous, since even the fast was already over, Paul began to admonish them and said to them, men, I perceive that the voyage will certainly be with damage and great loss not only of the cargo and the ships, but also of our lives. But the centurion was more persuaded by the pilot and the captain of the ship than by what was being said by Paul. In other words, he said, I ain't listening to you, Paul. You're talking about we all going to die. And then we ain't worried about that. They, did, they ignored him. They disobeyed him. So watch 12. Verse 12 says, because the harbor was not suitable for wintering, the majority reached the decision to put out to sea from there if somehow they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. So they said they're going to set out. They said it's not good to stay where we are. We're going to go somewhere. I want you to see that boats travel, that the purpose of a boat in the water is to get somewhere, that the reason your life is where it is today is that God is trying to get you somewhere. Now watch verse 13. He says, when a moderate south wind, look at the word moderate, come on. 
when a moderate south wind came up, supposing that they had attained their purpose, meaning they thought, oh, it's all good. It's just a moderate wind. The text says, I have it highlighted, they weighed anchor and began sailing along Crete. In other words, when they weighed anchor, that means that they raised the anchor. They lifted up the anchor and they began to sail along Crete close in shore. 14. But before very long, here it is, there rushed down from the land a violent wind called Eurachilo. Verse 15. And when the ship was caught in it, ah, disobedience, didn't listen to Paul. When the ship was caught in it and could not face the wind, here it is, it's in red, we gave way to it and let ourselves be driven along. That means that they gave way to the wind. They couldn't stop the wind. They had to just be driven by the wind. And sometimes when you're disobedient in your life, the wind, the disobedience and the consequences are so bad, you can't even correct it. And all you have to do is to be driven by the problems in your life. So they were driven and drifted. They uh, Listen, to be driven is slightly different from drifted because drifting is not with a strong wind, but the effect is the same. A drift is a wind that may move you slowly, but to be driven is a strong wind that moves you violently. And so they were driven by the wind because of disobedience. And I want some people to understand that disobedience will get you shook down and driven by a mighty storm, but you still can miss God's will, even if you're drifted by a small wind that moves you slowly. Let me move on to 16. Running under the shelter of a small island called Clauda, we were scarcely able to get the ship's boat under control. And I want you to see in verse 16, it says running under the shelter mean they missed their stop. They ran up on the island. In other words, the wind drove them up, crashed the boat, and they couldn't really, they finally got it under control. So verse 17 says this. He says, after they had hoisted it up, they used support cables and undergirding the ship and fearing that they might run aground on the shallows of Surtees. Look, they ain't even got control. They don't even know what they fear and everything. Here it is. Watch the red. They let down the sea anchor. In other words, let's put down the anchor now. Well, you should have listened to Paul a long time ago and you wouldn't be in this situation. He said they let down the sea anchor and in this way, ooh, watch this, ooh, watch this, and in this way, let themselves be driven along. Oh my gosh. Wait a minute. The text said that they let down the anchor and they were still driven along. That even though the anchor was down, they were still driven by an outside wind. And I'm trying to get you to see that sometimes even though you think you're anchored, you're still moving away from the thing that God has for you. So this section says they let down the anchor anchor, the winds were strong enough 
to still drag them even though they were anchored. And this gives us the foundation for today's lesson. And so I want to look now at the softer drift. This was the violent drift. This was the violent driving of the wind or storm. But now I want to take it to the spiritual element and look at it from the softer drift from a little more spiritual perspective. But I gave you this imagery of the ship in the water that Paul was on that crashed up against the island. And you can read the story later on. The boat broke up completely and folk had to drift on wood all the way to the island to be saved, all that kind of stuff. It's a dramatic story. But let's go to Galatians 5 and let's look at it from a different, slightly different perspective. Galatians 5, verse number 1. Now, I want to see this, but this Galatians 5 begins by giving us a spiritual perspective of what we really are to be anchored to. He raises this issue of a comparison of living by the law and by the spirit. So that's the context here. It was for freedom. Verse 1 says it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm. There it is. And do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Let me just clear this up for context in one second here. But listen, it's talking about the law and the spirit. I want you to see a comparison that there's talking about the law and the spirit. And both of these, though both of them are from God, watch this now, though the law was from God and the spirit was from God, both of them have different anchoring strategies. Ah, don't miss this now. So the law represents, listen, the law represents an old way of doing things. And the spirit represents the new way of doing things. Are you tracking? Two different anchoring strategies. And why? Because the law is in one time frame and the spirit is in another And so what Paul is saying is that we shouldn't be anchored, listen, we shouldn't be anchored to an old way of doing things like the law that don't allow us to move. The law restricts us, but we should be connected to a liberty, which is the spirit that gives us freedom to move. So Paul wants to make sure our anchor is in the right place. And again, I say the goal is not to be anchored as in to be weighed down. The goal is to be anchored, to be connected to a spirit that moves. So you don't want to be anchored and stalled. You want to be anchored and moving. So let's go back to verse one. The text says it was for freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. In other words, God didn't save you to lock you down. Therefore, he says, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. And it says in verse one, the term for subject is really the word entangled. He said, don't be entangled again to a yoke of slavery. So it's not, listen, in entanglement, he says, do not be subject again to a yoke. In other words, don't be entangled or it's, 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 it's not you holding it. 
but it's holding you. So entanglement means that the anchor or the seaweed or the coral in the sea is wrapped around your ankle and you can't get away. God says, don't let things wrap around you. But he says, instead, you wrap around God. Because when you wrap around God, you're able to move with God when God says move. Are you getting what I'm saying? So entanglement means something is keeping you from holding on to the thing you should be anchored to. And so what is a yoke? Remember we talked about the yoke? The yoke is the item that locks the necks of the oxen in. In this case, it was the law. And it was holding the people in Galatia from progressing in the spirit. And the law represents principles and rules that keep us from moving forward. And what I want you to understand that, listen, the law wasn't a person. The law wasn't a jail cell. The law was simply policies and rules written on tablets of stone. Are you telling me that mere words and rules can entangle me and keep me from being in God's will? That means that traditions that are spoken to you have the power to hold you? Are you telling me that your mother or father saying to you, you're a nobody and you're no good, have the power to restrict you? That policies and laws and rules keep me from being who I am? Oh my gosh, where is your anchor? If you are allowing any type of set of rules or old ways and habits to keep you from changing, God says you are not anchored in the Lord. Look at verse number two. Verse number two says, behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. Verse three says, and if I test and I testify again to every man who receives circumcision, circumcision refers to the law, that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. So if you do things this way, you're going to be obligated to keep doing things this way. And then verse four says, you have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Are you getting what this is saying? So watch this. The text says there is no profit. There is no advantage. There is no benefit in staying circumcised. In other words, some people say we're not changing. We know we're going we're going to say we're going to get circumcised. We're not going to change. God was saying circumcision doesn't mean anything anymore. What you need to be do, done is circumcised in the heart. It's not circumcising your genitals as in the old, but now he says circumcise your heart, cut away the flesh on your heart and change your life. And some people know, I ain't changing. This is the way my mama did it. This is the way my daddy did it. This is the way my old church did it. We're not changing. And the nerve of you, God said, there's no profit in that for you. He says, in fact, to stay where you are is to put you further in debt. He says, you are moving further away from God. So if you stay too long in one place, you end up paying or owing 
asking for more than you dreamed of ever giving. You went there simply to just be a nice boyfriend, a little friend, a partner who was with somebody helping them with the project, but you stayed too long and God drifted from you and now you owe them more than you really came to give. There is no profit. The text is saying when you stay where you shouldn't be, you go into debt. And God says some of our lives are so in debt because we fail to move forward. Because by default, when you stay somewhere that God has not called you, you end up owing more because it costs to stay where you are. You can't stay in a hotel and not pay there, but you've got to learn how to move with God. And when you move with God, God may put you in a room that you don't have to pay for, but you will not get that blessing if you stay where you already are paying. So verse number four said, put it on the screen, please. He says, you have been severed from Christ. In other words, you've been cut. You who are seeking to be justified by the law. In other words, you want to justify your life by the old rules and all the old traditions. You will be stuck. He says, you have fallen from grace. And that's what I want you to see. The text says Christ is of no effect to you because he has drifted so far from you and he has moved on. You have been severed from Christ. And he says you have fallen away. In other words, fallen is different from being thrown away. (laughs) Thrown is like being driven by the storm, but falling away is more like a drift. It's not like it happened all of a sudden. It's just that little by little, month by month, year by year, you heard the Holy Spirit say, leave him, change this, do this, and you ignored it, and now you look up and you see God is farther away from you than he was when you began. And so what you have found yourself in, Cynthia, is called the drift. And you try to justify your life by rules. Sometimes these logical people, these smart people, who all they do is think about bottom lines. They think linear. Two plus two is four. I got news for you, cousin Kevin. Some of us who walk by faith, hello joy, two plus two don't always equal four. God doesn't bless you always based on what's in your bank account. I've seen God give me things that my credit score shouldn't have allowed me to have. And so trying to justify your life by rules that make sense, you miss out on what faith can do for you by the Spirit. (laughs) So fallen means you are no longer connected. You have lost your grip. You no longer have a hold to God. You have allowed yourself to drift away. Can I move on? Let's go to verse number five. Verse five says, for we through the spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. So we looked at the just we just looked at verses one through four that talked about the law. Now let's kind of delve into what the spirit does. Verse five says, we through the spirit uh, by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. And so verse six says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith. 
<laughs> working through love. Oh God, Holy Spirit is helping me teach this thing. This is juicy. So verses five and six say this. Paul says the destination is righteousness and we hope for it by traveling in the spirit. He says, I have hope to reach righteousness, that the journey of my boat is to reach righteousness. I ain't preaching about riding your boat into a gold mine, a big house, and a fancy car. I'm talking about riding your boat into conforming to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about becoming better in your heart tomorrow than you were today. And Paul says, I have hope that I'll reach that destination when I travel by the Spirit. Oh, come on. So the Spirit is the movement of air. It is the wind that blows casually into a terrain. The Bible says that the wind bloweth where it listeth. In other words, the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a wind that you cannot see it, but you see the effects of it. I can't see the wind, but I can see what the wind does. And God says you have to learn how to move because the spirit, watch this now, contrary to disobedience that puts us in a storm and crashes us on land, the spirit carries us gently through the night into the land that is perfect for us. Listen, have you know the difference between a plane that's crashing and is going to crash hard into the ground versus someone who aborts the plane and and launches their parachute. And what do they do? They drift on the wind of the parachute and they land safely. I'm telling you, you are anchored to stuff that's going to break you. You've been stuck there too long and there will be damage coming. Like in Acts 27, Paul said, this journey will bring great damage and people will lose their lives. I'm telling you, when you're anchored to the old and fail to embrace the new, you are headed for a collision. But when you anchor to the spirit or connect to the spirit that has the power to drift you or blow you to the position that you need to be in, he says, that's where you will land perfectly. So the law is circumcision and the Bible said it has no strength to carry you. In other words, the law can't pick you up and carry you safely like the spirit can. Your boo can't carry you safely. Your tradition from your families can't carry you. Your old church ordinance can't carry you and land you safely. Your old job can't carry you and land you safely. You've got to catch the wind of the spirit. And if I know anything, I know the spirit moves different ways on different days. So Tuesday is not like Monday. Monday is not like Thursday. Thursday is not like Saturday. I got to wake up every morning and seek the Lord and say, which way are you moving now. Somebody ought to say preach pastor. Cherry the spirit lives to free us. The spirit lives and moves to free us but the wind is operated by our faith. Look at verse 6 again. 
The end of verse 6 says, but faith working through love. Give me a second to, 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 to break this down. The wind is operated by our faith. Uh, watch this now. And faith works by love. Uh, let me go back. We catch the spirit when we walk in faith. And faith is strong when we become people of love. The anchor that keeps us grounded is love. Oh, watch this now. The spirit carries us, but the love anchors us. Oh, you're going to miss it. The spirit blows us, but love keeps us close to the ground. I saw a commercial about a woman who's being carried. I forget what she's advertising, but she's being carried by the wind and her feet are dragging on the ground. I'm telling you, God will bless you. God will carry you into new places, but you're never far from the ground. In other words, the spirit doesn't lift you up and carry you into places of arrogance and haughtiness where you feel like people are inferior to you and you are a supreme being. No love will anchor you. Love will tell you you don't talk to people like that. Love will remind you, but not for the grace of God, fool, you would be in the same situation. Love will intimate to you on the side of your shoulder that it was God who got you here and nobody else. Love will look beyond people's faults and you let make you less judgmental and say, if God point the magnifying glass on you, you would be sent to hell. Love keeps things in perspective while the spirit moves you along. Can I get a witness from anybody? Is anybody being blessed by this? Let me move on. I got to wrap this up. Verse number seven. Verse number seven then says, you were running well. Uh Oh, look at the movement. You were running well. Who hindered you. Oh, look at the word. Something is hindering you. Paul is saying, I'm no dummy. Something is hindering you. What anchor has got you locked down? He says, verse number seven, he says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? He says, verse number eight, look at that word, persuasion. This persuasion <laughs> did not come from him who calls you. What is a persuasion? Persuasion. What do they call uh, Instagrammers? They're influence. In other words, influence is persuasion. That words have persuaded you. It's not even a real fact. It's just words. You've been persuaded. Somebody's words are holding you back. What did they say to you that's keeping you from you? But look at verse 9. He says, don't you know a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough? Oh, let me talk to you for a minute. Can I speak to you? Paul is saying, what happened? You were moving fine. You were progressing. But you let some Tyrone come and get in your ear and be like, let me tell you, let me holler at you, let me holler at you. It don't take all that. You don't need to go to church. You don't need Jesus. You don't need to be saved. You don't need to read your Bible. Come on, let's just do it. Come on, no, let's just, no, no, no. You let somebody persuade you. In other words, you were moving fine, but who hindered you? What is holding you back? In other words, again, listen to me. Listen to me. 
The wrong anchor has a hold on you. The right anchor is you've got a hold on it. Hinder, the Greek word is anakapto. It means to beat back as in the course of a ship. Oh, you go, I can't believe I, God did this. He says, what is hindering you? What he's saying is, what is beating you back like the course of a ship? In other words, in other words, what is redirecting you? What he's saying is, what is redirecting your movement like a strong wind that we read in Acts 27 that you couldn't even fight against the wind, that the consequences of your disobedience is now driving you? He says, the word word anakapto is just like that. It is hindering you because it is driving you. And so it is literally keeping you from the truth and knowledge and learning. Listen to this. Oh, listen to this. Let me talk to you over here. Knowledge and learning is always evolving. There is no way you can learn something and think that's all there is to learn about it forever. When COVID-19 came out, they only knew certain things about it. And the CDC keeps changing its rules each month because they keep learning new things about it. How in the world can you think that you learn something one day and that's all there is to it? How can you say you went to church and you got it? You got what you got on Sunday, but next Sunday is a whole new revelation. And if I want to keep evolving with God, moving with God, then I've got to be where the spirit is. That's why you got to go to the right church. Some people miss God because they grew up in a church. They stay committed to a church that is no longer speaking to them. But they pledge loyalty and faithfulness to a location and organization that no longer moves them. And they're waiting on God. God has left the building. Elvis has left the building. I'm telling you, you are missing the move of God because there is new information on the horizon. And listen to this. New information, Shana, leads to new understanding. I'm excited because I'm learning something new and I'm understanding it. The truth is always the truth, but truth is too big for us to assimilate, so we have to learn it in peace, in phases. God is the truth. John 17, 17 says, thy word is truth. In other words, Jesus is the word, so Jesus is the truth. Jesus said in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. How in the world do you think you can learn the truth all in one sitting? God is too big for you to learn in one sitting, so you have to learn it in phases. And so what I choose to do, instead of getting information and then locking it down, I don't let the truth entangle me. I entangle the truth, because when the truth decides to share more with, more with me, I open my arms and say, give it to me like you do it. <laughs> I let God open my eyes to see clearer. <laughs> However, the enemy wants to deceive you into thinking you know all there is to know. And he wants you to stay anchored somewhere old. <laughs> that old buzzard <laughs> who keeps telling you the buzzard could be your spouse, your boyfriend, your boss, your old church, your old pastor 
pastor, that old person who keeps telling you this is the only way to do it and there ain't no other way to do it, you ought to right now see that's a red flag. You ought to be able to say, but isn't there God who moves and changes? Can we not at least do some more research? Verse 8 said that is holding you, that that is holding you is not from God. Look at verse number 8. He said, this persuasion did not come from him who calls you. Oh, I love it. In other words, you're in this situation not because of God. You're here because you have failed to move. This has changed, meaning you are not in his will any longer. So whenever you're anchored and you're stuck, you're out of God's will because when things change, it means God's will has moved. The law was once to be adhered to in the Old Testament, but since Jesus came, the law has been fulfilled. The anchor has changed from the law to love. Oh, that's why he says, I didn't call you to judge people. I called you to love people. The anchor has changed. Somebody type on the line, the anchor has changed. So verse number nine says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Any bakers online? I know Latanya and Lawanda, y'all probably got, y'all probably cook and bake. But a little leaven, when I make my waffles. I got to put a little bacon. I got to put a little uh, uh, yeast in it. I got to put a little other uh, bacon uh, what powder in it so it'll rise. In other words, just a little. And they say, don't put, don't pour the whole thing in there. All you need is a little. In other words, you don't have to do something real bad, Latanya. You just have to stick to bad a little bit. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. That's a quotable. You don't have to do something real bad. You just have to stick to bad a little bit. Because whenever you do bad a little bit, the longer you stay a little bit turns into a long way from God. Some people say, well, I ain't sinning really badly. And you thinking you okay. Nope, you are drifting. As long as you still doing a little bad, a little bad turns into a lot of bad because a little leaven leavens a whole lump. And the longer you stick to it, the farther you find yourself away from the truth. And that's why we call it the drift. But let me give you some hope today. Verse number 10, Paul turns it around. I'm wrapping it up. I'm coming on in. I hear you, Daddy Kane, saying, bring it on in. Verse number 10 says this. He says, I have have confidence in you, in the Lord, that you will adopt no other view, but the one who is disturbing you will bear his judgment, whoever <laughs> he is. But I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? Then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. Abolished. Verse 12. I wish that those who are are troubling you would even mutilate themselves. Look at verse number 10. Watch this now. Let me explain this to you. The text says that Paul was confident that they would get back in focus. 
He said, I ain't worried about you. I came to tell you, John Tony, Sharon, Tia, cousin Kevin, Latanya, Cynthia, CY, Joyce. I came to tell you I got confidence in you. Your anchor may have been jacked up in the wrong place yesterday, but you're going to get to the place you need to get to because the Bible said whoever is hindering you, they're going to get theirs. In other words, God was going to break their anchor. Somebody say, break the anchor, Lord. In other words, he says, I've got confidence you're going to get to where you get to. In other words, Paul is saying, that's why I'm writing this letter to the Galatians. I want you to know that whomever is hindering you is going to get yours. Paul said, well, if I keep preaching something that's old, he said, I abolish my future. Look at verse 11. Put that on the screen. He says, but I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why am I still persecuted? He said, then the stumbling block of the cross has been abolished. So he says, if I, if I keep preaching what's old, he says that I negate my future. In other words, every time you keep bringing up the old lie, the old argument, you are not giving God a chance to give you the truth. When you stick to a lie, you are closing the door on truth. I'm going to say that again. I feel anointed. When you stick to a lie, you are closing the door on truth. And oftentimes, evil kills itself because the Bible said Paul said I wish that even those who hinder you would mutilate themselves in verse 11 in other words people who are evil cantankerous and bitter it's a sore in their soul and real evil people end up killing themselves. Bitterness will destroy you because it is a cancer unto itself. And God said, I got confidence you're going to make it because even the things that have got you locked up, the cancer that they're locking you up with is going to kill them and die. Oh, he says, they're going to at some point drop off because you can't keep sinning and doing evil and live long. <laughs> you will some point succumb to your own demise of the devil that's inside of you. And God says, the people of God will be free enough to reach your destination. Don't you know that the credit card companies, even after seven years, will give you a clear slate and free you up to get better <laughs> Y'all ain't hearing me. Won't nobody say amen, Joy. But look at verse 13. As we wrap this up, he says, For you were called to freedom, Joyce. You were called to freedom. Brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. He says, You have been called to liberty. It is a different kind of drift. He says, walking in the spirit of freedom is not freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want. It is a freedom that is still anchored by love. God says, I give you freedom to do whatever you want. But the text says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So God says, go 
go and be you. But if you really love me, you're not going to do anything that I don't want you to do. That's called trust. And I told you, you enter into trust, you enter into love by faith. We come to God by faith. We place our trust in God because God loves us. So walking in the spirit of freedom doesn't mean freedom to go buck wild and be bucket naked. It means that you're free to be who you are. You're free to move with the spirit. And God loves you enough and trusts you enough that he knows you aren't going to go beyond the barriers of of grace. And he says, love will anchor you. Speak the truth in love. In other words, you don't just blurt it out. You speak the truth in love. So what is he saying? Start a business. Go ahead. But start the business in love. Open a cooking class. Start an online cooking class. But do it in love. Come on, somebody. Go play basketball. But when you shoot hoops, do it in love. Start the book club. Have the sisters over. But don't have them over to trash, folk. Do the book club in love. Why? Because love anchors you. Our love will settle you down. Love allows you to hold on to God. God says, I need you to love me. I need you to trust me. God says, I'm not going to hold you and weigh you down. I'm going to liberate you and let you be free and you hold on to me. I dog it. Anything that requires you to let them hold on to you is not of God. But wherever God is, you have liberty for where the Spirit of God is, there is freedom. Let me wrap this up. Sharon, look at verse 14. He says, verse number 14, for the whole law, the whole law, the whole O anchor is fulfilled in this one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. He says in verse 14 that the law is fulfilled. In other words, okay, 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 you can't leave him, okay, okay, you can't leave her, okay, okay, you can't leave it, okay, okay. He says, but know this, that even if you take some of these people with you, the law that was holding you has been broken by the power of love. And if they can't come with you out of love instead of control, then you got to say goodbye and let them go. Anybody who moves with you must move in love because the anchor of God is love. We're in church because of love. I'm preaching this morning because I love you. I call my kids because I love them. I kiss my wife because I love her. I open her car door because I love her. I do what I do because I love the word of God. It's the love of God that anchors me. When I have the opportunity to do wrong and ain't nobody looking, I don't do it because I love God. I feel his spirit inside of me saying, you don't want to do that. You know you don't want to do that. And I'd be like, yep, let me get on up from here. I love God enough. Ain't nobody got to tell you, threaten you, and scold you for doing wrong. You change because you love. Love is the anchor of God. And here are my final thoughts. My final thoughts are this. Your conclusion, because you're so off course, this is what you got to do to get back on it. 
Number one, take up your old anchor. Take up the anchor from where you are and decide I'm going to move with the spirit today. I'm going to move with the spirit of God. PC has preached to me. I'm raising anchor. Hoist the bear. Here we are. Raise the anchor. We're about to move. Number two, catch the spirit. Once you raise the anchor, catch up to where the spirit is and connect to him. In other words, cut the thing that's holding you and go catch the spirit and hold it. And number three, Anchor yourself in love. When you finally catch the spirit, okay, you say, okay, you spirit filled, you anointing all that, but anchor your butt in love. <laughs> in other words, just don't go rogue preaching to people. Ah, oh, the Lord told me, shut up. You're, come on now. No, 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 no. Don't go reading people in the Holy Ghost and do it in love. <laughs> anchor yourself in love. And then finally, finally, once you take up your old anchor, catch the spirit, connect to it, and anchor yourself in love, Number four says, ride the spirit home. <laughs> Somebody ought to ride, let up the sail. <laughs> Here we go, sailboat live. We've got to ride on home. <laughs> the ride of the spirit through life. Listen, then ride the spirit through life and never anchor yourself to anything again that will keep you from God's will and his promises. Decide today, beloved, that you're going to take up your anchor. Catch the spirit of God. Anchor yourself in love. For love I'll live. I'm in it for love, baby. I'm in it for love. I ain't in it for your money. I ain't in it for the job. I ain't in it for the perks and the benefits. I'm in it for love because love will help me ride the spirit home until I go to be with the Lord. This, my friends, has been called The Drift. I'm PC and that's all I've got.